0: G'day folks and welcome, I'm Chris Faber and I'm TJ Stedman, and you're listening to the Answers to Giant Questions podcast coming to you from sunny Western Australia. G'day folks and welcome back to the Answers to Giant Questions podcast, the show that tackles your questions about the biblical giants. Today we've got a special treat for you because we have a guest on the show for the first time since way back in season two. We are hoping to bring you a few more special guests throughout the course of this season. Today's guest is no stranger to the kind of material that we have been bringing you on this podcast. Coming all the way from Idaho, US of A, it's our pleasure to introduce to this audience our friend and fellow Bible nerd, Kerry Griffel. Thanks for joining us.
1: Uh, thanks. I appreciate you inviting me here to have a conversation. I've been a fan of your podcast for quite a while now, and I love your book. Both the podcast and the book are absolute gold for, for information on a lot of topics. They're so good.
2: I first came across Kerry in the Reading Genesis 50 Times Facebook group, which I think was an idea that came about from the Bible Project. Uh, Tim Mackey had something going on there, and since I'm all about all things Genesis at the moment, uh, that group caught my attention, and after a while, uh, Kerry and I had some conversations Found a few things in common. Uh, we've had a few online interactions. Uh Kerry is also quite involved in the Divine Council Worldview Bible discussion group, which some of you may know came off the back of Dr. Michael Heiser's Naked Bible podcast that that he was doing. So that group uh is, is born an online discussion community and Kerry's heavily involved there. Does a great job. Kiri also has a podcast of her own, which is called Genesis Marks the Spot. So uh, a lot of great stuff going on. If you're not already subscribed to that podcast, you need to get on it.
1: So I really appreciate you having me on. And um, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the Reading Genesis 50 Times group. I actually started being an admin there. That was one of maybe the first Facebook groups that I started being an admin of. And it has since exploded, and I'm now an admin on many groups. (laughs) I am a moderator on Dr. Heiser's uh, Divine Council Worldview Facebook page, uh, which is his official Facebook page. So lots of stuff going on there. Ah, uh, lots of connections. And uh, I've only started my podcast last December, I think it was. So I'm fairly new at it, but enjoying it and enjoying it talking to other people about lots of different things like this.
2: Yeah, it's been really great to follow that podcast, and I've really enjoyed the the content and the way that you approach things looking at a variety of perspectives. I think that's where there's a bit of a difference between what I do and what you're doing is because I sort of present a particular perspective you know not that that's the only way you could look at it but i think there's also there's tremendous scope in the biblical text and in traditions of understanding it so i think a podcast where those perspectives are considered is is really uh important to have.
1: Yeah, I have a hard time nailing down why fit in perspectives a lot of times too. So that's the other thing. I, I just like to explore them all and try to lay them all out and try to find, I mean, it's not that I don't land places because I do in a lot of places, but there's a lot that I just kind of let fly around and see what happens when I do that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's really, it's an admirable thing because a lot of people are just going to be dogmatic don't know that there's really a lot of room for that, to be honest. Like, there's so much complexity in the Word of God, you can't just nail down one thing only. So I think having the the humility and the open-mindedness to just come out and say, well, there are some possibilities and, you know, here they are and, you know, maybe some of this works and maybe some of it doesn't and fostering that conversation uh, is, is a great thing. What we really have... In, in common, I think, between uh, what you're doing and what I'm doing is so we're really uh, looking for that that worldview that helps to make sense of it all. Uh, so right. we talk a lot about the ancient Near Eastern worldview. We talk about the way that people in that space, in that time, uh, thought about the world as being integrated with the spiritual realm and, and not distinct from it. And we talk about what we've come to know as the Divine Council worldview or this this idea that the world is filled with and permeated by spiritual beings and, you know, that we have some kind of part to play in in all of this and there are interactions between what we can see and what we can't see all over the place. That's an essential foundation for understanding the Bible as it was intended. I think it's great that there's more of that getting out there and your podcast is just another one that's bringing that awareness to people.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think that we're so disconnected from the world of the Bible, and we don't always even realize how disconnected we are. We don't realize where our ideas are coming from. Uh, And a lot of times they're not straight from the biblical text, but they've kind of wandered these paths. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're wrong ideas, but it means you should really look at where your ideas are coming from. And you should really try to get in back into, as Dr. Heiser would say, get into the the heads of the ancient writer and the ancient reader, so that you could understand it in the ways that they would understand it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it can be such a challenge because we don't realise how much our culture has absorbed other ideas and concepts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I find this when I talk to other Christians at church or or online or whatever, people pick up some odd ideas, and a lot of them <laughs> I grew up with it too. So you know, I, I understand. Mm-hmm. It's culturally ingrained. Right. But, you know, ideas of uh, a disembodied afterlife where we float around on clouds and play harps and things like that. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of people don't really have a framework outside of that and they don't realize it wasn't even mm. biblical. Right. <laughs> Just things like that. I mean, there are so many aspects of biblical doctrine and thought that that we could point to. But, yeah, you just don't realize how far we've strayed from the truth of the Bible. Yeah, you've got classic works like um, Dante's Inferno and stuff like that, you know, that kind of adds these layers to, to what we think of the spiritual world and, and even the way that our planet is constructed and all kinds of stuff like that. <laughs> really crazy. Definitely. Now, uh, if, I, if I remember right, you came out of the Church of uh, Latter-day Saints, is that correct?
1: Yep. I was raised LDS and believed it very firmly until I was a young adult about so, college. Yeah, the middle of college is when it started falling apart.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I guess there's a, a number of questions you sort of ask yourself as you start to look at that worldview and see that some things are kind of incongruent, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, So how did you arrive at what we would call a... a
1: Historical Christianity, maybe.
2: Yeah, that's a good term. I like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I, I don't fit into a denomination, so I, I can't plug myself in in any place like that. So I, I've, I've thought a lot about how I can describe myself, and I, I think that might be the best, because I do now affirm all of the early Christian creeds, and I will um, I will look at any systematic theology, and, and I'll compare that with the Bible and try and compare that with um, historical traditional interpretations and see what falls out the best there. Um, so I have different kinds of leanings, but some more in certain directions than others. Um, Definitely not very Reformed, but (laughs) aside from that, I have a lot of other um, pickings and choosings from a lot of different Christian sources. Um, But well, so I I grew up when I, I grew up LDS, but I grew up with a really firm understanding that God was active in the world. Um, and i really i i believe still that god interacted with me when i was younger that he responded to my prayers uh, so so i think i had a relationship with god to begin with and because i had a relationship with god to begin with uh, it, it was less about the church i was attending although i i went along with everything it Everything I believed then, I believed it firmly, but my faith was really rooted in God. So when it all started falling apart, the like where was I going to end up is where my baseline was, and, and that was still God. And so I said to myself, at some point in time, I said, well, if I can't believe anything else, at least I can believe in God. And if I believe in God, then that means I belie- believe in Christ, right? He's my Savior. So because I believe in Christ, and the Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ— then I can at least believe in the Bible. So whatever the Bible says, that's what I'm going to believe. So I started just exploring it kind of with fresh eyes because I had a lot of different ideas that are not biblical. (laughs) And I had to start taking those apart as I was reading the Bible and saying, well, that's not really, I don't see that in the Bible. I don't see that. But I do see all of these other things that I've believed before. So I started kind of dismantling things. And I, I guess a I guess deconstruction is a good word for that, but people mean different things when they say deconstruction, so that's kind of a hard word to use. But basically, I I was kind of taking things apart, examining them all, putting them kind of back together. The hardest thing was the Trinity, (laughs) as you you might imagine. like the word's not there, and a lot of the defenses of the Trinity are just, they're not good they're terrible. I still yeah. believe that. Uh, so I, I went to church and I said, well, I can believe I, I was going to a Lutheran church and I I would recite the creed, except the part about the Trinity, because I don't know about that. I can't see that in the Bible and all of the proof texts that people bring up. I can find reasons to not see that as the Trinity. So it wasn't until Dr. Heiser's work came along that really cemented that. And I said, oh, okay, it is a biblical thing. Like the people of Jesus's time could have seen it, could have understood it from the Old Testament. That gave me the go ahead for that. And then through also through that, I realized, hey, I can actually learn about the Bible in context. And that was an amazing thing, because in the LDS faith, they think that there was a great apostasy, a during the early years of the Christian church. So you can't believe anything in the early years and you know you have to really cherry pick who you're going to believe in the early church fathers and all of that kind of thing. And just being exposed to Dr. Heiser and being exposed to what he was teaching, I realized that's not true. Like you can really learn way more about all of that than I had any idea that you could. <laughs> so uh, so then I I have just since nosedived dived into biblical theology.
2: Yeah, that's great. And, yeah, I think that's the central thing. If if your hope and your confidence and you, your allegiance is mm-hmm. centred on who God is, then, you know, all those other things are subject to change, you know, they man-made interpretations and all that kind of thing. But, yeah, well, if, if you're grounded in God and in Jesus Christ, then mm-hmm. you're secure. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's, that's something that I touch on, you know, probably really in 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 my podcast material because we're so focused on the primeval history where you know Jesus wasn't even thought of by the people who were writing it right but you've got to sort of establish that foundation in order to be able to understand who Jesus is when he mm. comes in later and i think yeah that that central core of finding out who God is and what he's like and mm. being able to anchor yourself there is just absolutely essential.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that he will call you and he will lead you into the truth of himself. It might take a really long time. And some of us have longer journeys than others. It was really painful for me for a long time, but but I feel like God was there with me all along and just patient and just guiding me to more truth. And I still feel like that's what's going on in my life.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's awesome. And, and in a way, I think there's a bit of a a, a hidden blessing in coming out of uh, the LDS church because there's a bit more of a predisposition toward a view compatible with the divine mm-hmm. than what we see in a lot of more materialist uh, evangelical churches. Yeah, so I think there's a silver lining there because it just gives you just that little more of a cultural framework that, that aligns biblically, not to say that the LDS perspective is necessarily correct. But um, you just have this awareness that mm-hmm. there's more going on than just one invisible entity in the world.
1: Definitely, yes, very much so.
2: Yeah, and, and also the perspective that when we're not just going to be, you know, floating around disembodied in the afterlife. <laughs> like, you know, yes. the, the, the perspective of afterlife is pretty warped, I think, in, in the
3: mm-hmm.
2: LDS faith, but it's, it's I think, just a cosmological issue more than anything. The idea of, I'd say, uh, in the Eastern Church, you know, they'll call it theosis. Right. Or, you know, we, we might say glorification or something like that. You know, the idea that we actually have something to do, a, a purpose and mm-hmm. a, to look forward to in the afterlife um, that will be fulfilling and that will be glorious and amazing. And that doesn't make us gods. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. There's a very big distinction there, but it's also exciting to realize that that's the case. Like That's yeah. one of the biggest things, too, is understanding about what the image of God is and what that means to us. That's, that's huge to me.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's been one of my favorite things to explore as I've been going through my podcast, and we've been talking about the image of God, which we covered a lot back in season two. Um, was just really interesting to get into that and and pick it apart. And what does it mean, and what doesn't it mean? And yeah, came away with some interesting perspectives. I don't hear a lot of people talking about man before Eden, mm-hmm. but that's something that I do mention a lot because although the Bible does not explicitly state that there was man before Eden and before God. Uh, specifically, chose Adam and bestowed upon him this status and this function of being an, an image bearer. The text uh, definitely can sustain it. And yeah, for a lot of people, that's just never been a thought.
1: Oh, the Bible can't possibly say that. Mm, not so much.
2: <laughs> yeah. So uh, you've been doing a bit of work on the image of God in conversations with uh, some some mutual friends of ours, Joshua Sherman and and some others. What have you really? Uh, enjoyed about those discussions.
1: Well, what's interesting to me is that like Joshua and I, we come from very different backgrounds and yet we're landing on so many of the same conclusions at the same time. And so we're just like, hey, we're not both crazy, or at least we can be crazy together one or the other. Like, it's really exciting to get so deep into this stuff and, and to start having questions and ideas that other people are having and and come to some conclusions that other people are also having. Like, that might indicate some sort of good trajectory there. At least I hope so. <laughs> and just, and coming together with other people about it I think that's really helpful to see just how the image of God works, not just in an individual fashion, like in a group function. And this is how the body of Christ works, and this is how biblical interpretation should work, and this is how, well, kind of everything in the world should work. That's (laughs) right. So, yeah, and how that connects into our purpose and the purpose of creation and the purpose of Christ coming. I just made a casual comment about that in some way on the Divine Council Worldview Facebook page, and somebody said that that's not biblical, but they had no idea what I was coming from. Like, mm-hmm. you, you really have to look deep into this to really see all of these patterns. But it goes from Genesis through the work of Christ, through Revelation, like into our lives and into everything. So it's it's really such a huge and beautiful thing.
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, what a lot of people don't see when they read those early chapters of Genesis is this idea that we're talking about Adam as an archetype, he represents all of us.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So if he is an image bearer of God, then we all are supposed to function in that same way Mm -hmm. uh, as one. Yeah. And I think it's that community aspect that really escapes a lot of people because we're so individualistic Mm -hmm. these days. Yeah. It just doesn't occur to us as modern people that Culturally speaking, that's a recent innovation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and a very bizarre one that's not working out too well in a lot of ways.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly doesn't work here in Australia because the Mm. indigenous communities here Mm. still operate very much on a community sort of basis where the entire tribe is a family.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: You just don't have this idea of even possessing something yourself, like nobody owns things.
3: Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so, yeah, the Indigenous people have suffered greatly under Mm. colonisation by uh, Europeans because, yeah, they brought with them when they came here uh, this idea that, you know, people are individuals with their own individual rights and possessions and whatnot and cause no end of conflict. And we're still a long way from even reconciliation, never mind actually, you know, adopting a more uh, historically compatible worldview.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I imagine.
2: Yeah, so uh, I I think it's really essential that as Christians we get that message out and and say, look, the body of Christ is supposed to function as one, and that doesn't mean that you get to see yourself as an island. Yeah. That's, uh, I guess, one of the things that makes uh, genealogies relevant in scripture mm.
3: Mm. Uh,
2: because we're supposed to see our connection to all this
3: mm-hmm.
2: and not just me looking up ancestry.com and finding where I come from. Mm-hmm. Oh, and choosing the ancestors that I think might be the most interesting and saying, well, this is who I'm descended from. Right? That's, right. that's not how it works.
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah
2: Yeah, Um, I'm, as you know, beginning to get into uh, the Genesis 5 uh, genealogies Having already gone through Genesis 4 and concluded that it wasn't really a genealogy at all And that, I think, threw people for a big loop
1: (laughs) Right, yeah Yeah But it makes way more sense to look at it like that, though
2: Yeah yeah, the trouble is that you, you just can't get it in translation, and that's so frustrating. You know, uh, really, the, there's no substitute for the original language, unfortunately, and you just can't really get around that without doing a lot of work. And I think that's <laughs> a common argument that I get from people is well, it shouldn't be so hard. Like, you know, can't I just read the Bible and understand it? And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> if you want to really understand it, you're going to have mm-hmm. to work. Oh, right. you know, but but God didn't, you know, write the Bible so that we'd have to get study guides and commentaries, <laughs> and you know, I shouldn't have to buy you know dictionaries and all this kind of stuff to be able to understand it. I should just be able to read it. And uh, I'm saying, well, look, maybe that was the case if you were an ancient Israelite and you could just pick it up and read it um, because you don't have to jump through all the interpretive hoops to get there. Uh, But it's a lot of work for us.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that highlights the whole body of Christ thing. You don't get to just pick it up and just read it all by yourself and get it all. That's not how this works.
2: Exactly. That's right. We are a body, we are a community, and everybody's got their part to play. And that does mean you're going to have to rely on somebody who knows their stuff a bit more than you do. And, you know, hey, we do that all the time, don't we? I mean, people are listening to us as content creators and going, well, you know, i I need you guys to explain this stuff to help me understand it. It's not like we're the oracles here. We're, we're doing a lot of research ourselves. We're relying right. on people who've done a lot of research. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it all traces back to the biblical text. Right. Can't that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just a case of well, we've got to make that commitment to recognise our place uh, in history, and say, okay, well, we're going to have to jump through some hoops here to get at mm-hmm. the original context.
1: Yeah. It's just how it works.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of people are going through that deconstruction mm-hmm. these days because they're mm-hmm. realizing that the worldview that had shaped their understanding mm-hmm. of Christianity just doesn't align with biblical values and mm-hmm. concepts. Yeah. And once you realise that your worldview can't sustain the 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 biblical truth, then you've got to choose: Mm -hmm. am I taking the culture or am I taking the scripture? Mm -hmm. And yeah, sadly, I think a lot of people are making the wrong choice there. Right. Yeah. A lot of people whose Mm -hmm. political affiliations or cultural bedrock are more important to them. Really sad.
1: So there's a lot of reasons for that. And but one of them is that they don't know all of the options. They don't know that there's places they can land where they really can figure these things out and it's it's okay. Like there's other people that they can walk with in that and they can they, they don't just have to try and do it all on their own. And I, I think that's a really important realization for a lot of people that they're not all gonna get, but I think and hope more people are getting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, the another issue that I see is is people clinging more tightly to their denominational distinctives and affiliations than they are to uh, historical Christianity.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and, and and a biblical understanding.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You were part of a discussion recently with a, a well about a former Christian apologist who was like a mm-hmm. Calvinist and basically kept the Calvinism and ditched everything else. Right. That was just strange.
1: It's very strange. Yeah. Like you, you don't get to ditch the Bible and say Calvinism is the best way to read the Bible. Like that's, that's really backwards, dude. Like, yeah. no. <laughs>
3: How about
1: yeah. you get back to the Bible and look at that in and of itself without all of the baggage that you've brought into it. But that's such a hard thing to do. Like, when you are steeped into these ideas, it's really, really hard. And and part of that is, to that our ideas are associated with our communities that we're in. We're surrounded by people who have the same worldview as us, and it's really hard to break free from that when that's the case. So you, you've got to go and find people who can let you give those honest questions and really tackle the text like it should be.
2: Yeah. And that's where I think what we're doing with our podcasts, which are really focused on the book of Genesis, it's just so essential because it sets up the the bedrock for the entire biblical worldview. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And that's the driving reason why I wanted to focus in particular on the primeval history. But, of course, it's going to expand and become a lot clearer as you continue through Genesis, Um, particularly once you get into Abraham and uh, look at his interactions with God and how the reversal of the whole situation that was set up in those first 11 chapters is going to play out. Mm-hmm. So I, I think people need to grasp that really firmly mm-hmm. for introducing uh, other systems of, and, and faith traditions and, and whatnot because if you haven't got that bedrock, then you're setting up a house of cards.
1: Yeah. And and it it can't stand because there's no actual foundation because it I mean this this is what our our like if you look at the Bible, it goes from Genesis all the way through, right? So there's a reason it starts in Genesis. There's other creation texts that the Bible could have started with and they it doesn't start with any of those. It starts with Genesis and there's a a really good reason for that.
2: That's right. I mean, I start to sympathize a little bit with people who haven't had any of that exposure because they they look at Jesus and go well you know Jesus sound like you know he was a, a you know a nice guy and a, and a great teacher and everything else and you know he, he could work miracles and stuff so I mean that's that's impressive but you know I just don't really see a need to be sort of anchored to Jesus right you, you get a lot of this from people who are sort of you know, they've considered Christianity from a distance, maybe poked it with a stick, but they haven't got it back. And it's because if you don't know that that whole foundation that begins in those early chapters of Genesis, you don't even understand what Jesus was doing. Right. But,
1: <laughs> you really don't.
2: You know, we all want to go from, from Genesis 3 straight to the crucifixion mm-hmm. and skip everything in between and just go, well, Jesus died for my sins and that's it
3: yeah
1: you
2: know now let's let's scroll forward to revelation now and read about the end of the world and oh that's going to be scary um <laughs> and and that seems to be the entire scope of uh, a lot of uh, evangelical christianity today particularly in the uh, faith traditions uh, established and coming out of the u.s i mean i
3: mm-hmm.
2: i grew up as a Fundamentalist, dispensationalist, you know, then a really uh, conservative Baptist uh, mm. tradition. So, really, everything was, well, this is how they teach it in America. So, that's what we're doing here. Well, uh, <laughs> Americans would be surprised to know, well, maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think for a, for a lot of Americans, they probably just assume everywhere's the same. But, in <laughs> right. the past, like, a lot of Australians haven't even realized that a lot of what they experience in church and what they've believed and been taught actually comes from American traditions and not from anything like extending further back. Like, you know, obviously, you've got your Reformed crowd who will point to Luther and, and the Reformation, but uh, as far as historical Christianity is represented in Australia, there's a minority mm. that would hold to, you know, what we what we might call a high church or, you know, something mm. like or Catholicism. that You know, there's... There's a lot of that out there, but it's it's generally just people, shall we say just maintaining an affiliation? Mm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You don't see a lot of engagement in in theological pursuits and and that sort of thing. You mm. I say I, I guess under every rock you find a non-practicing Catholic <laughs>
3: um, mm. hmm
2: Whereas the, I don't really like to use the term Protestant, but your Protestant denominations, for, the, for those people who identify as such, they tend to be a lot more engaged. So yeah, it's an interesting uh, religious landscape here. Um, I don't think that there are many people who actually realise where, where the roots of their faith are actually anchored. Right. Not many of them would go back five or six centuries and, and still have the, the, the roots in the ground there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the modern world is it's just a crazy place. It's just it's like, and it's its getting crazier all the time. But the the interesting thing that we have is that we have we do have that foundation that is ancient. And you, you can't get away from the truth of that. When you try, you, you just end up going back there inadvertently, <laughs> like but in a wrong way. <laughs> so you can either root yourself somewhere solid, or you can root yourself wherever you happen to land which would you want like what's better
2: yeah and we're seeing a lot of people now cuz they're looking for something a bit more traditional and ancient mm-hmm. and they want to feel more connected to the world and and to the, the mm-hmm. universe you know there's a there's a huge new age influence these days mm-hmm. uh, not that people consider new age to be old but it's it's all that paganism that mm-hmm.
1: yeah they kind of act like it is
2: yeah yeah, it's it's the modern veneer on an old thing, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, paganism is making a, a disturbing resurgence these days mm-hmm. uh, because people are looking for that, that grounding and that connection to something that goes beyond their immediate context.
1: Right, yeah.
2: And I think if people were prepared to embrace a more historically accurate Christianity you know, we'd we'd see a, a huge boom in our churches.
1: We would. I think that people get this impression that Christianity is boring. Yeah. And it's not boring. Like, if you really get into it, it's not boring.
2: Yeah, well, again, that's what I say about some of the, the more traditional churches, like your Orthodox and your um, Catholic churches. There's a lot of non-practicing adherents out there. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's this image that it's just, you know, stuffy old white guys in robes, right. uh, you know, waving uh, incense around the place <laughs> and that there's nothing else to do with.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think uh, for those in the Protestant denominations, because they've been immersed in a culture of Bible study and, uh, you know, a, an engagement with theology and doctrine,
3: mm-hmm.
2: the the disconnection there is, well, if I go to a, a traditional old-school church that they don't have any of that. They're just doing all these, you know, sort of going through the motions, doing all mm-hmm. the practice and the ritual.
3: Right.
2: But, you know, where's God in all that? It's just, you know, the religion of men. And I, th- I think if we stop to embrace both of those things mm-hmm. and realize that, you know, the Bible does spell out a lot of practice and, you know, the, the, the sacraments that we need to actually mm-hmm. take seriously. And I think we'd find a, a lot more engagement if we, people actually felt like mm-hmm. Participating in something as a community rather than as an individual going to watch some kind of performance.
1: Right. Yeah. There's a big difference between those two things. Do you want to just sit there and be entertained, or do you want to participate in like the greatest drama ever? Like it's just just there's a big disconnect in how people see that and how they don't realize the depth of it.
2: Yeah. I was uh, talking to uh, some guys at the the church men's group recently. The the church I go to is pretty much like a Baptist church. I, I've got to clarify that because here in Australia, we we have a denomination which is called the Church of Christ. And it is not mm. the same as what you have in America, which is called the Church of Christ, mm. which a lot of people would consider a kind of cult.
3: Um, mm-hmm. Right.
2: Because the Church of Christ in, in the States is... Uh, sort of really hard line on this, well, if you don't get baptised in water, then you're going to hell, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is not the case here. Uh, The Church of Christ in Australia is much more like uh, something like a Baptist church uh, Mm. in the US. So when I say I go to a Church of Christ, I get mixed reactions from people who aren't aware of that distinction. But, yeah, Mm. at the the men's group, uh, I was talking about this kind of thing and talking about the different – Ah, faith traditions and and how those things work, and and I was amazed that there were people who had not even any awareness that there even was such a thing as an Eastern Orthodox church.
3: Mm,
2: and I'm yeah. like, wow! <laughs> so, like, half of the believing world doesn't exist to you. I'm like, wow! That's <laughs> I just could not wrap my head around that. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Wow.
2: To be honest, I would probably explore an Orthodox church myself if I could actually get to one it's not Mm. a thing. I would have to move far away uh, to Mm -hmm. find a church like that. And I thought, you know what, maybe I can just be who I am, where I am, and just try to bring some of that historical Christian understanding into this modern setting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I'm working on that, but it's hard going. (laughs) Uh, and this is what we hear all the time in the divine council worldview bible discussion group because you've got people constantly saying oh you know is there a church that i can go to where they actually talk about this stuff Mm -hmm. right and and i was like well i'm not going to look for a church that does that right i'm just going to be the church that does that i'm I'm just going to bring those things into the discussion with everybody I meet yeah, and show them that the, the Christian experience is so much bigger than the little piece of it that we understand here.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great way to go about things.
2: Yeah. So I decided that rather than trying to find a church that fits or, you know, move to a a, a denomination that I agree more, you know, with a, with a bit more overlap. I mm-hmm. thought, well, No, I'm just going to create that where I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of wish more people would see it that way because I think we'd see less division in the church.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I do see a lot of people moving away from um, evangelicalism because they see these problems. And I get that. I really do. But at the same time, it's like, well, What is the church? The church is the people, and you are a people. So, like, like you could be making a difference where you are right now.
2: Yeah. And I think that's exactly what it means when God says to Adam, you know, go forth and multiply. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah.
2: It's not just about making babies like that (laughs) shocks people, but yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Here you are. I have bestowed upon you this purpose this function i've given you this status and this particular well i don't want to necessarily tie attributes to uh, uh image of god but all of this is given so that we can perpetuate that mm-hmm. and again coming back to that idea that there were other people around besides mm. that like then it makes sense oh yeah it's a lot of
1: sense doesn't
2: it yeah. Oh so Adam had something to do and it wasn't just about breeding. Um so I I think that really does make the whole thing really coherent when you you get all that together and then it's like right so that means that I I need to represent God where I am so that other people will do likewise.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a mind-blowing concept if you've never thought about it before because I can say that because I remember when I that realized that really hit me as a realization like oh this is not just a wait till you get to heaven and then you'll be good no there's like things to do there's jobs and there's purpose and that's exciting
2: yeah yeah and I, i really i wish more people would grasp that because yeah there are a lot of people just waiting to get to heaven
1: they, they just kind of, they don't know what to do. And and they get, I mean, I don't want to say that everyone's like that, because there's a lot of people who want to do things, but they think that there's certain ways you have to do it. You have to go stand on the street corner with your sign, or you have to preach the gospel in certain ways to everyone around you. Well, I mean, sometimes that's what you do. those are Those aren't bad things. Those are good things if that's what you're led to do. But just... No matter where you are in your life, no matter who you are, you have people you're in contact with. Go and talk to them. Like, live your life in good ways. Like, represent God to them.
2: That's right. And I think when we grasp that, we move beyond the conversation of church growth and, you Mm -hmm. know, numbers of backsides on seats. And we start talking about the Mm -hmm. the quality that we're building into people. Mm As representatives of God, like what are we doing? Are we just making converts, or are we making disciples?
1: Yeah, disciple making. I, I realize it's very um, it's very daunting for people because they've not heard about how do you do that, and they've not been taught that. But they have actually been discipled; they just don't realize it. So there's certain things you can learn from your discipleship walk, and the and the people who have taught you. That doesn't mean you have to do the same things to other people. It means to learn what they did in certain ways that will fit your life so that you can go and do that for other people.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I think, I think if, we, if we get this right, then we can start talking about reconstruction as more of a thing rather than deconstruction, you know, because mm-hmm.
1: yeah,
2: I think what we need, um, people are talking about sort of stripping away the – Things that they thought were foolishness Mm -hmm. and searching for some wisdom. And I think if we can bring the correct perspective um, by teaching a biblical worldview, we can help people to reconstruct as, as we have done around the faithfulness of God. Yes. You know?
1: Yes, very much so. I mean yeah. that's really the focus like people get so concerned like oh well what if my pastor doesn't believe exactly what I think now and what if this and what like that that doesn't matter like that's that that can impact you yes and you should find the best people you can be with but but it's God's faithfulness who who really matters that that's the focus as long as you are focusing on that like you you're not going to be steered terribly wrong at least in the basics.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And I mean, we're we're all anchored to Christ rather than to, you know, our our human structures and schemes, aren't we?
1: Yeah.
2: Part of that worldview shift that needs to happen, in my opinion, is the realization that the scriptures didn't just appear out of thin air, like they Mm -hmm. were written by intelligent authors, Uh, you know, you you guys like uh, Dr. Heiser and, and other teachers, you know, Tim Mackey and others, talking about the Bible as literature. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really essential to actually grasp that because it helps us to take the text seriously,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: necessarily taking it literally. Right. Right. I mean, you know, let's look at it literarily, which, yeah, for a lot of people just rocks their world
1: it does, yeah, because they've only ever seen it taught, like it has to be this and that and the other thing. It's like, well, it could be that, but is that what matters like does it what what does it matter to your life if God made the world in six days? How does that impact you at all? It doesn't impact you at all, like what does that matter? However, what matters is like if you if you understand that it's talking about God's sovereignty and that we actually are worshipping. The literal creator who organized everything and the purpose of that organization was for man and was for all these other purposes that God has, that does matter. It matters in a big way according to how you can actually take that into your life and and just spread that to other people.
2: Yeah, that's right. I was, uh, I was just saying uh, on my last episode of the podcast, actually, uh, something about inerrancy of the Bible and, and the way that we talk about inerrancy Uh, is often really skewed because we talk about inerrancy in terms of, you know, well, there couldn't have been any uh, typographical errors Mm -hmm. in the Bible. (laughs) We're sort of missing the point that it's really about the affirmations of Scripture and what the author is actually trying to communicate. That's actually Mm -hmm. the thing that we need to be talking of in terms of inerrancy. Like, there is a message that God has brought through that author, and they're free to communicate that however they want.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. And, you know... And they might use odd words or phrases that don't quite fit the grammatical model that we understand, but the affirmations, like the actual point they're making is, is what's coming from the spirit of God and, and speaking into our lives. And I think we just need to relax a bit about our own understandings of how it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm
1: and having everything in our little neat boxes all packaged up and, and ready to present to someone. It, that, that's just not how anything is in life. Like, even if you try to communicate to somebody something about your own life, they're, they're going to get it wrong, because you're not going to be able to express yourself in perfect ways that they actually understand what is in your head and what exactly you're trying to communicate. They're going to misinterpret that in some way. So why would the Bible be any different? Why is reading the Bible and the communication of the Bible any different? People think that you should just be able to pick it up and, well, the reading that just entered my brain is exactly what I the Bible said. no. That's not how reality is. <laughs> and it's okay because we're still able to communicate with one another. I can still understand you basically. You still understand me basically. And we can do that with the Bible too. But the question is not what am I getting out of it, but what does the what does the text actually mean? Yeah. Like that that's really essential.
2: Yeah, and we, we don't realize how often we gloss over odd phrases and stuff in the Bible that mm-hmm. just you know they, they don't really make sense to us as modern Western readers, so we just kind of skim over them. Uh, but some of those idioms and, and cultural appropriations that they, that they have in there are really invaluable you know once we mm-hmm. develop the, the tools to unlock those and pick up on the message being conveyed it can radically transform our understanding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where, again, we all need to depend on one another as the broader body of prices share and disseminate that knowledge.
1: We have to be a little bit humble and realize we don't know everything and we're probably not going to have everything figured out. And, you know what? It's okay.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I didn't ask you if you have any other uh, projects in the works. What are you working on at the moment? You got anything coming up? Probably. Uh,
1: well, so um, so I am involved in a in a, a new YouTube channel. It's called Myths, Mysteries, and Majesty.
2: Uh,
1: I've I've been a regular person in trying in being a guest on there and talking about things. Uh, the focus there is biblical theology, but it also brings in fiction and story and storytelling, and lots of other different things. It's a really interesting project. It's kind of just getting started, but very cool. Um, and I'm I'm starting to appear more on other podcasts and other things, just just engaging with other people and trying to see where I'm being led with my podcast. I think there's going to be associated things with it, but I'm not quite sure yet exactly what those are, but new ideas are coming and I'm starting to get ideas.
2: <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah, uh, it, it certainly uh, seems, at least from, from my perspective, you're know, really getting out there and in amongst the important discussions all over the place. Uh, it's really great to see. <laughs> I'd like to do a bit more of that myself but to be honest it's really hard here in Australia because you know we're here mm. talking this awkward time where it's the middle of the day here um, <laughs> and if I didn't have a broken arm I'd be at work. So <laughs> you know I find that the uh, the amount of people I can actually engage with at a reasonable time is really limited.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I bet.
2: So unfortunately that's that sort of time zone issue really cuts me out of a lot of discussion but uh at least i get to follow it uh on, online if i can't directly participate uh, for a lot of things but yeah i uh i do like to get out there and, and have a bit of a discussion if i can and that's where i, I really appreciate you uh making yourself available for this because yeah I, I don't get a lot of those opportunities so it's really good when i get a chance
1: i appreciate you having me on it's been it's been a lot of fun
2: yeah yeah um and just it's it's so reaffirming you know when you're able to share fellowship with people uh even if they are on the other side of the world uh and uh yeah just just really encouraging so uh yeah i really appreciate that i think we're about out of time so uh we'll probably uh probably wrap things up there but uh Ah, oh, this has been really great, and uh, yeah, who knows? We we may do this again. I've got a a short list of uh, people that I will definitely endeavour to uh, to to have uh, reconnecting with the podcast in in the future, and yeah, it'd be great to to have some more discussions with you as we uh, continue on this journey. Definitely. Uh, just for our listeners, and as a bit of a reminder, where can people find you? online and uh how can they get hold of your podcast
1: well i am active on facebook i have my own discussion group for my podcast uh, which is genesis marks the spot and i am uh you can find me at the divine council worldview facebook group um i'm active in a lot of other places Uh, you might find me on the tim Mackey discussion group uh lots of good discussion there as well um, and I do a, a, some other small groups as well. So if you just, anybody who wants to hit me up on Facebook, I'm more than welcome to.
2: All right. And, and your show gets out pretty much wherever you can find good podcasts, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I have trouble finding Genesis Marks the Spot. And yeah, I'm uh, another one of the uh, subscribers there. I, I love catching the show. And yeah, as I say, looking forward to seeing where you go with it.
1: Thank you very much.
2: All right, well, thank you very much for uh, appearing uh, here on the Answers to Giant Questions podcast, and we will uh, no doubt talk again soon.
0: Awesome, thanks. Thank you. All right, well, that was a very enjoyable conversation and some, some great food for thought there. When we come back next week, we'll pick up our study of Genesis 5, where we left off, and we'll be looking at the biblical character of Enosh. Don't forget to look up Carrie's material on her own podcast, Genesis Marks the Spot, and you can find her on Facebook as well. Carrie is one of the members of our very own Answers to Giant Questions discussion group on Facebook, and you can be too. Just search for the group and request to join. That's all we've got time for today. We'll catch you next time for another episode of the Answers to Giant Questions podcast, the show that tackles your questions about the biblical giants. It's time to wrap up today's episode. But if you want more, don't forget to get yourself a copy of Answers to Giant Questions. We're asking readers to please leave a review of the book on Amazon or Goodreads to help it become more visible in search results. Even if you just give it stars, that'll help. But a full review is certainly really appreciated. Please also leave a review of this podcast wherever you found us so that new listeners can find us here on the show. This podcast comes out every week, but you want to make sure you never miss an episode. So if you haven't already subscribed, do that now. you'll get notified when each new episode drops that's all we have time for today we'll catch you next time on the answers to giant questions podcast
2: thank you for listening to the answers to giant questions podcast a production of the raven creek social club if you like what you heard today Please take a moment to rate or review the show. Music supplied under copyright by Grave Forsaken. Graveforsaken.com You can get the book, Answers to Giant Questions, by TJ Stedman on Amazon in paperback and Kindle format. Check out the other podcasts at ravencreeksc.com and go to giantanswers.com for more Answers to Giant Questions. Read the blog, catch us on the socials. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about the show. Send us your giant questions and stay tuned to this podcast to get answers. We'll see you next time. Until then, stay safe God bless. Oh, yeah! I just really hurt myself.
1: <laughs> Don't break anything again.
2: Oh no! I got, I got itchy on my back, and I just reached behind. Oh no! With my broken arm, tried to scratch my oh. back, and oh, that really hurts. I normally have a lot of bloopers and outtakes and stuff to go at the end, and this time it's just going to be me stuffing up my screen. <laughs>